Listen, Sharp Objects just ended. My heart really hurts, and there's like a 50-50 chance Justin didn't press record. So, welcome to the Lollygaggers Podcast. In this episode, Jeff kickstarts Ancient World and sings the praises of Red Raven Games, while Justin reads Batman and Elmer Fudd and creatively pronounces the word smock. Both Lollygaggers break down the supernatural drama The Innocence before ending with the Gentleman's Challenge. Welcome to episode number 23 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different geek things from games to comics, movies, and TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. What's up, man? It's been a little while. How you doing? Uh, yeah, it's been approximately seven days. Seven whole days. That's the interim within which we record our episodes. So many things could have happened between then and now. So many things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. Did anything uh, happen between now uh, and last week? Not really. I lost another football game. That's about it. So that's pretty exciting, cool. I guess. Cool. Um, cool. That and um, that's about it. That's about it. A whole bunch of that. I took a nap today. It's pretty solid. So there's Very that. Nice. Just when, nice. when I get into the work schedule, the work day, you know, with, with teaching and stuff, the weeks just fly by. So really nothing exciting happens because I, I work in football. So the days are just kind of really used up. So nothing really exciting happens too much. But uh, first race coming out next week for World of Warcraft. What is that? I guess they got that going on. Can't wait. Can't wait to be disinterested uh, on the podcast if nice. when you talk about it. Can't nice. uh, can't wait. It's gonna be. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. I cannot be- wait for when this current phase of World of Warcraft love for you uh, dies out because it it obviously will at some point. It peters uh, then, off, but then it comes oh yeah 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 it comes and goes. It comes and goes. It's waves. Sure, sure, sure. I look forward to when we are at uh, at the end of this phase. And uh, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah, uh, cool. I see that Steam's got this whole uh, Warhammer Vermintide 2 thing going on this weekend. I downloaded it because I was kind of wanting to play it because it's a free-to-play weekend. Uh, but uh, everyone's doing other things. So woe is me. Woe is me. Sure, let but me know. Okay. I would play with it. And Ruben likes that We game still got too, time. So. I think we might be able to see but I have been playing, and I know you have been too, uh, Nexus Blitz Mode in League of Legends. So, uh, yeah. So Nexus Blitz Mode is like a, a new version uh, or a new kind of... Eh, it's a new battle mode and testing uh, that League of Legends is doing right now. So if you're not familiar with League of Legends, uh, it's a MOBA uh, sort of... You know, it's by Riot. Um, but uh, what you basically do uh, in in Nexus Blitz mode, it's still five versus five, uh, but they've reduced the standard map from from three lanes down to two. Uh, so there's two lanes, and then there's like a jungle, but the jungle's kind of like the top half of the map, and then the lanes are the bottom half of the map, and everything's sort of accelerated. Though one of the, the basic premises of the game is it's just super accelerated. Games are pretty much over in 15 minutes because at the at the end of those 15 minutes like the nexuses get up out of their position and they come and they push down the lane and they start fighting each other so yeah you, you you're going to you're going to have to play and uh it, it's going to end somewhere within a, a couple of minutes of that um and the other cool other cool things about nexus blitz mode is that um not only is it faster but there's a lot of these little different events that start to happen uh every couple of minutes within the game uh so like there's a whole bunch of different types there's like um like Fortnite or uh, or PUBG style like battle royale with like a closing circle death uh, where like it's five v five and you have to fight within that circle that's slowly getting cl- uh, sl- smaller and smaller as like fire or flames like uh, enclose around everybody and if you if you leave the circle you're gonna die to those flames and if you die you know during that battle royale then you don't respawn until after the battle royale is done 
there's also like push the payload kind of like uh like an overwatch or a team fortress 2 thing there's king of the hill where there's like one small circle somewhere on the map where the, like everyone fights over and you just sort of stay on it whoever can stay on it long enough to to fill up a meter gets it um then there's like a like a loot the teemo mode where teemo like a very large annoying teemo uh which is redundant uh the well, the annoying part wanders around the map and everyone sort of fights over killing it uh, and looting it and whoever does it get you know wins that and so whenever you win one of these events whichever team wins it gets like a pretty amazing buff um some of them are pretty hilarious and frustrating uh so one of them has like the the uh caitlin who is one of the uh the ad carries in the game um one of the marksmen she has an ultimate that's basically like a long distance laser snipe and that particular ability is given to siege minions as they're pushing up and down the lanes. Uh, there's also like a blitz mode, uh, like a blitzcrank uh, buff, where those same types of siege minions and all sorts of different uh, structures like towers and stuff can get the like the pull. So blitz basically shoots out an arm, grabs somebody and pulls them towards you, which can be really freaking annoying uh, when all sorts of different uh, mobs are doing it as well. Um, then there's like others where like just somebody is just like really buff and strong. They get a little bit bigger and they start burning. And so there's all sorts of different things like that. And so the whole kind of goal of the game is like you're you're trying to complete these events, you know, because you want to get those buffs because you want to get this stuff done fast. You get you get your gold faster. There's jungles, but there's two junglers. Uh, so really, when you co-op for the game, you're either queuing up as a jungler or you're queuing up as a laner. And so like two junglers kind of go around together. Um, the uh, what's it called? The the big. Uh, the big crab, I can't remember the name of it, uh, but it's like, a, uh, it's still, that's in the game as well. So um, like you can actually, there's like one big buff. There's no Baron, there's no dragon, um, but there are some other buffs that you can get too. So it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty fun. I've been playing a ton of it uh, for the past week or so because uh, I really like faster games. Uh, so what do you think of it? I know you played about four or five games of it uh, past couple of days. What do you think of it? I really like it. Um, I've been getting a little bit, frustrated with league of legends lately because there's just so many characters not enough bands and like i get so tired of the single person winning the game thing it's just so it's very snowbally at times um and it just gets a little frustrating going to 40 a 40 minute game and a 40 50 minute game and like it's just one guy just wiping everybody out it just gets a little frustrating um right. and the meta is just so stale to me because it's been like the same metas for like what? five years You've literally not been paying attention to league this year. The I meta guess not. Insane this year. We have we have mages in bottom lane now. Oh, crazy! There's all sorts of there's all sorts of nutty things going on in bottom lane. Yeah. So you're speaking from ignorance, sir. I guess your so. ignorance is showing. Either way, yeah. I like this because it's faster. All those little oh, extra modes definitely. are great. When the Caitlyn thing comes out, it does a legit Caitlyn ult. It's like it'll almost it hurts three quarter chunk some people. <laughs> it'll it which hurts, is man. great because like. We went against a very, you can get like very assassiny or very tanky, but if you win the right buffs, if you're assassiny, you're almost dead to minions, and that's great. Um, I like the little mini game modes. The Fortnite mode is really cool, because when, like, when you die, you have to sit and time out until it starts back up again, so it's kind of like, yeah, yeah last man standing. It's really cool. Um, and me and Keith had a really good moment with it, where we, it was like me and him left, and we killed three people at the end. It was 2v3, and we ended up winning. Um, so that was really, really fun. Some of them are kind of meh, like the push the payload with the scion was, is kind of, if you just don't get there fast enough, it's really, really fast. And the, I don't like the really like the crab one. I think the crab one's kind of silly, but. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, so there's yeah, one yeah. with the crabs where like, there's a center river, 
uh, that comes like vertically up and down the map and two crabs spawn side by side and they race to the bottom of the map. Uh, and so each team is trying to, to let their crab get there faster and they try to slow the other crab down by either like, you know, crowd controlling it, knocking it back, stunning it, or just killing it and waiting for it to respawn. Uh, as a, as a, as a frequent Alistair player, I find that one hilarious. Cause I just, I guess, knock him away all the time. It's, it's pretty funny. It's just kind of like, that one's just kind of like, man, compared to the other ones. Um, I like how there's the buff where you can jump into a cannon and go anywhere on the map. I think that's pretty interesting. Kinda yeah. Like, that was really good. Anywhere. And yeah, I like it too, because like, I don't feel like one guy rules the game. You know, it feels a little bit more balanced because it's more objective based. I like objective based games. That's the one of the main reasons why I liked right. uh, Heroes of the Storm. If Heroes of the Storm just didn't have thirty-five minute queue times, it'd be a better game. But like, well, we haven't played Heroes in a while, so I don't apparently know the queue times are still like just as bad. So, yeah, they were always they were slow the last time we played. I loved it when we first played it. Uh, I totally agree with you about the Hots uh, reference. I, I do feel like like that's one of the things I've been saying, kind of tongue in cheekly, that I feel like this game mode is basically a Hots map. It's like a Heroes yeah, of the Storm map. Yeah, basically, yeah. That's just really all it is. It's just like timing events, etc. But I do, I would sort of push back against the notion that League isn't an objective-based game. It is entirely an objective-based game. I just feel like yeah, we play, it, it is. we don't, we're not... We, we don't play, we don't cooperate well. Like, we never do. Like, I've tried in the past, but, like, we we just kind of, everyone just sort of does their own thing and then that and, then, and expects stuff to happen. But, like, it is a very objective-based game. Like, it's about timing certain things, timing ti timing dragons, knowing when to get dragging, knowing when to push towers, knowing when to, like, trade stuff off, knowing when to go for Baron. So there's, it's very objective-focused. It's just, I feel like we, the level that we play it at, it's just, it's a lot of just, like, it's Clown Fiesta. It's just, like, people kind of running yeah. around doing stuff and having fun. So like if you guys really wanted to go that like we could certainly we could certainly play it like in a more professional way which is very objective focused but but I, I generally get what you're saying but I enjoyed this one main reason is I think it's more fun and faster um when the nexuses get up I was Especially like when, when the first time the nexus got up I was so confused as to what was happening <laughs> like, there's these giant rock'em sock'em robots in the middle of the field what's going on and then you're like and then we lost out of nowhere. I'm like, what just happened? You go, the Nexus got up and they were fighting each got other. Up, go. And they were fighting each other. They just like, punched each other. It's like, hilarious. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> but that's cool, though. I like, like how it ended. Because like, it even makes us like, even if you are just getting your butt whipped, you could win at that moment, which I think is really, really interesting. Absolutely. All you do is hang on. So like, hang it, on. It, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to surrender in this mode. Like, I think it never actually does make sense to surrender, but unless you're really frustrated. But in this mode, like, just hang on and you'll always have at least that that crazy chance at the end when the Nexus start coming into the middle of the lane. Yeah, I, so, I mean, yeah, overall, I think it's great. Um, I like League. I play League a lot more than you and some of the other folks do just simply because you guys play all the you know, the, the Rainbow Sixes and the Overwatches and World of Warcrafts and so But I still play League a bunch. Um, so I don't like playing the long Summoner's Rift games by myself, though, because it's like 40-minute games, and I always feel like it's just not as fun. But this one's fast. Um, I like ARAM, too. ARAM's really fun, but this is a great change of pace, and I can see myself switching between the two because ARAM's just like, get five dudes and let's go fight in the middle of a lane, and what happens, happens. So... Uh, but I hope this thing sticks around. So I hope they hope they continue to refine it. They've already patched it a bit and added some extra graphics and some some items that are special and unique to this particular map. So I hope they continue to support it. So that's uh that's Nexus Blitz mode for League of Legends, uh, one of the games that Justin and I've been playing for years. Uh, so Justin, what else have you been doing this week? So I mentioned a while back about these weird DC crossovers. I think I mentioned like four weeks ago about like Looney Tunes. Yeah, I remember. 
I think I even did one. I can't remember what it was. But there's these Looney Tunes uh, uh, DC crossovers. So, I was on Comixology trying to find some uh, something to read. It's a single comic because, you know, I just felt like just purchasing one thing and getting through it. And so I went through the Eisner winners. So, like, there's a section on Comixology where you can actually go through Eisner winners. And Eisner winners are basically, that's their, that's their Oscars, basically. That's their Pulitzer Prize for, for comic books. So, <clears throat> I'm looking through them. One of them was Batman Elmer Fudd. Okay. And yeah, when I saw this in the notes, I about like had a kid who shouldn't fit. I'm just like, what? What is this nonsense? So, so I'm like, like it, it's got five out of five on Comicsology. It won an Eisner Award. It's got to be okay. So I decided to read it, and it's just a one shot, one comic story. It's takes place in like they don't really give a location. It's like Toontown or something, because basically, it's not. Gotham is just kind of like a, a, a dark city. And Elmer Fudd is just a guy in a trench coat walking into Porky's bar. And he's talking about how he's lost something and needs to take out those who are who are uh, uh, responsible for it. The first person he goes to try and take care of uh, for, uh, uh, you know, avenge the, the death of something that happened to him uh, is Bugs. Bugs is sitting at the 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 bar and when i say bugs i mean a gritty realistic version of a gangster bugs and he's not necessarily like realistic do you mean like an actual bunny rabbit like a no he's a human all these guys are humans these are a human uh what are we called uh what's mobsters well uh it's a humid i forget what you call it like a version of of all these characters anthropomorphic well, it's just like he's just a guy at a bar, but he's Bugs because he, instead of smoking cigarettes, he's chewing carrots like Bugs Bunny would, and he's got bug teeth. There's Yosemite Sam, the bartender's Porky. Um, you can see uh, Yosemite Sam's playing with Foghorn Leghorn at, at another table uh, playing cards. Uh, Tweety Bird is this little uh, gangster guy who's clearly a, a, a little person who's a... Uh, um, like talking about a bunch of garbage with his friends. Taz is beating someone up at the bar. He's just this big mean dude. And then um, Marvin the Martian is a psychotic person drinking too many beers, uh, talking about how he's going to get his uh, Q36 space modulator and all this stuff. And then there's a crazy guy at the bar with a with a toad that he free, they swears can dance and stuff like that. But it's all like set in realistic scenario. Just you, these little Easter eggs of everybody that's around. And so basically, Elmer Fudd is almost like he's on. It's a, this is like a noirish story. Elmer Fudd goes to confront Bugs and says, "Bugs, I know you killed my my uh, my girlfriend. I need to kill you here. Do you want me to do it at the bar? Or do you want me to do it outside?" And the best part about it, this entire comic book, all the inner monologue. Let me just read the first, the opening thing for you. It says, "Sometimes the Wayne comes down so hard, you forget." You've, you've ever been Dwy. I try to see it out there in the past or in the future. Wainbow's waiting. So <laughs> it's all in Elmer Fudd's normal talk, but it's like a noirish type of thing. So Bug says that Bruce Wayne sent him to kill uh, uh, his girlfriend. And his girlfriend is the Bugs Bunny 
you know how Bugs Bunny would be a girl and trick uh, uh, Elmer Fudd? Yeah, that is yeah. his girlfriend. Her name is um, St. Cloud, which is what uh, Bugs would dress up as. But it's not, it's not Bugs Bunny from this comic book as a girl. It's clearly a woman. And so he says Bruce Wayne uh, told him to kill her. So Elmer Fudd goes to assassinate Bruce Wayne, and then it creates this this like conflict between him and Batman because Batman thinks he's just this killer trying to kill people. Anyways, there's a fight between Batman and Elmer Fudd, and every time Batman punches, it's like thock or bap. But every time Elmer Fudd punches, it's like thwup. It has the Elmer Fudd. It's so it's so brilliant. I loved it. It had the Elmer Fudd like the onomatopoeia was Elmer Fudded. You know what I mean? So like yeah, it's just so good. I loved it. The story is a very tight, uh, quick story. It's maybe about twenty five pages long. There's a backup in the back of a, of a Looney Tunes title too. It's like literally like what if? So this is if Elmer Fudd came to Batman's world. The back one's if Batman came to uh, the Looney Tunes world, and it's just a funny little comic. But this was actually really good. And it made you feel and want Elmer Fudd to get his revenge and find out what happened. So I'm not going to give out anything else that happens. What I described is maybe the first two pages of the book. But it's just, I was so surprised. And you think Elmer Fudd and Batman, you're like, this has got to be so stupid. But the drawing is great. It's really great art. Uh, The writing's Tom King. Tom King wrote Batman 50, so... This makes up for Batman 50. Maybe not. Maybe does it? No, I it don't know if that's true. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, but it's way better than Batman 50. And the art is uh, Brian Vaughn's. And I really, really liked the way it looked, the way it played. All the inner monologue is is fudded up. It's so good. I just, the whole time reading this, I was reading it with a smile, enjoying it. And it was a good story. It was like a good little tight single comic noir story. So pick it up. There's a whole bunch of them. The other ones that are there, uh, you have uh, Marvin the Martian and Martian Manhunter. That's one of them because they're both from Mars. Uh, you have Lobo hunting uh, the Roadrunner because Lobo is an intergalactic uh, bounty hunter. And him and Wile E. Coyote get together to get the, uh, to get the, um, the Roadrunner. You also have Bugs Bunny joins the JLA. That one looks a little bit more kiddish, but all the other ones look pretty like serious and weird. So, highly suggest it. They're silly, but man, I thought this was great. I loved it so much. It was so gritty and so cool. And it was Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd's a badass man. I love him. Anyways, that's all I gotta say about that. What else you got? Okay, so I mean, I'm gonna go from like something that sounded kind of fun and. Uh... And kind of light. I'm gonna go like the complete other end of the spectrum, and I want to talk about sharp objects, uh, which is like uh, eight scissors episode. and glass. No, yeah, like let's talk about shears and knives. No, it's a it's a it's an eight episode limited series on HBO that just finished up this past week, this past Sunday. It's created by Marty Knoxon. It stars Amy Adams and Patricia Clarkson and Chris Messina, and it was based on Gillian Flynn's novel. Uh, most people probably know Gillian Flynn from Gone Girl, both the book and the movie itself. Uh, so, like, in yours, you had, like, colorful cartoon characters. Of it. This one, if you just want to get, like, like drop-kicked in your heart, uh, that's this is the show to watch. Like, if you just don't really feel 
like like feeling good about anything in the world, definitely watch the show. Uh, it's it's amazing though. It's it's an eight episode limited series, and I love. It. I've spoken before on the show about how I am a big fan uh, of this this sort of gr- at least what I see. I could totally be wrong in this, but what I see is sort of a growing trend of like limited series and like having beginning, middles, and ends, and not just shows that are going on forever. And so this this came up. It's been on for the past. Two months, I want to say it started a couple months ago. So it's eight episodes. It's one episode a week, obviously. Um, and it follows Amy Adams. Amy Adams is the main character. She's Camille Preaker, who is a journalist who is sent by her editor and like kind of um kind of surrogate father figure in a way back to her hometown of Wingap uh in Missouri, which is sort of like this in its modern day setting, and it's just sort of this really rundown small town, like that that has like a long, proud history, but is really Kind of a no prospect type city like it's never really you know you're kind of stuck there um and she's sent there because two teenage girls have been murdered and this is all you this is all established right off the bat um and so she's going there because like the the editor wants her to do the story from like a personal angle because she's from there and she's been you know she's estranged from her family she she did not have a good family life so the show itself we used together like the mystery of who killed these these teenage girls um with this bleak and uncertain sort of history of the town not just like i'm not talking about like the ancient history of the town i'm talking specifically like the history of the town as it's relevant to camille and her family um because her family has got one traumatic ass uh (laughs) backstory because uh camille went through so much uh including the death of her sister um when she was younger and some other things that i want to reveal because some of it is more slowly revealed and some of it just sort of hinted at and never really confirmed. Um, so she's really reluctant to go back home. And so she's, she's sort of like an investigative journalist and she's really messed up. Like she is a serious alcoholic. She's a self harmer. Um, and she has a terrible relationship specifically with her mother, um, who just, who was played by Patricia Clarkson. And like, I say this with all due respect and I say this with all great admiration for Patricia Clarkson, but I hate Patricia Clarkson after this show. Like that's how good she was. Like I hated Camille's mother's character so much. That's how amazing I thought Patricia Clarkson was because like the way in which she plays is like really manipulative and sort of victim, like like self-victiming type of a character uh, that just passive aggressively puts down Camille time after time. It's just, oh God, it hurt so bad. Um, so, and then Chris, uh, Chris Messina, he plays like an out of town cop from St. Louis who comes in to try to lend a hand with the investigation into what's going on. Um, there's like these two primary suspects that they're looking at that are both related in some way to the girls that are dead. Um, and so part of it is, is the investigation, but much of it is just sort of dealing with memory. One of the things I love, absolutely loved about the show was the way uh, they dealt with memory and how mo- most shows, most television shows uh, have flashbacks, right? We have these little clips, these little flashbacks, and I'm not, you know, that, that look back into something that happened before and it adds context and understanding uh, to what's going on in the current event, right? And so like we're looking in the past as to better understand the context of the current situation. Um, but one of the things I think that a lot of TV shows don't do is they don't acknowledge the fact that memory in and of itself, it's like so fallible. Like it's just like we, like our memories, we, we don't remember things the way they really happen. Like we often like remember things the way we like sort of have been telling ourselves it happened over the course of a longer period of time. And then 
you know, we, we convince ourselves that's what really happened. And so there's these, all these amazing moments throughout, like where they flash back to all these horrible situations and these memories that Camille had when she was a kid. And like, there's a certain, like the way they just quickly flash in, it's not like really long flashbacks the way like a lost television show might do where it's like, we're going to stay in this flashback for seven or eight minutes. It's like really quick. And it's just to get a, just like that, that juxtaposition of that image from that memory with what's going on currently. Um, and it's pretty crazy. Like this, this show is amazing. Uh, I highly recommend it. It is super depressing and sad, but at the same time, like if it's so good and it's slow, but at the same time, all eight episodes are out right now. So if you want to binge it, binge it like, but don't drink while you're doing it because like this show really can mess with you. It's, it's dark. Um, so it's not the type of show that you should watch if you're, if you're not into sort of like a dark um, kind of mystery, gloomy uh, thing. And Camille, who's played by Amy Adams is she's amazing, but she is an incredibly flawed uh, woman who has been through uh, some awful things in her life and we're privy to it. Uh, and the ending to this, uh, to the show, while I will claim very arrogantly that I did predict it, my wife can verify it, how, like who and how it ended, uh, but doesn't matter. It still hurt when it happened. Like when you watch the ending to it, it, it and like you, you learn what went down, it is a kick right to your heart. And it's just like, it's crazy. It's, uh, it's so good, but just, just ended sharp objects. That's it. Eight episodes. It's done. If they ever do a second thing, it might just be a completely different story, but I've heard that they don't even want to do anything. They just want to leave it as it is for what it is. Uh, so highly recommended. It's up on HBO. So if you got HBO go or now, or whatever, take a look at it. Uh, it's so good. So good. Yeah. I've been looking into right. watching that. So watch it when I feel like crying. Is that what it is? Basically? Watch it. Watch it. And when you have like a Sunday in front of you, you know, with like hot fudge and nuts and stuff like that. Wait, maybe actually you shouldn't do that. No, no, definitely do that. Definitely do All that. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, definitely. Last thing I want to talk about is uh, news on a new series called Doom Patrol coming out. So Doom Patrol is what Marvel ripped off the X-Men from. Because uh, pretty much everything that okay. Marvel did, DC did first, pretty much. Uh I did me and you had like a talk about this a while back and then I actually did a look up and or you did a look up too. We're like, I just started randomly looking yeah. stuff up because I'm coming at it from, I am not, I, I yeah. never have to be a super Dr. DC Fate Marvel. came out before yeah. Dr. Strange. Just look up the, I'm just looking at basic dates and I'm yeah. like, I don't know, Justin, a lot of these it's stories seem pretty ridiculous how ripped off some things are. But Kinda like how, yeah, I mean, we don't want to say ripped off. I mean, we want to say like derivative of it or improved yeah, upon yeah, it yeah, because yeah. like, you know, like, like with, I think that happens with a lot of comics and games is like, you see what other people are doing and then you put your own spin on it and like make it better. So, but yeah, I get what you're saying. So, um, Doom Patrol is basically the story of a mad scientist who put, who's in a wheelchair, who, uh, is also bald, who puts a group of people together, <laughs> uh, to, <laughs> Uh, create a special group of individuals. To is help his name things. is his name Doctor Z? His name is Doctor Javier. It's, oh, he's, okay. he's Spanish. Uh, <laughs> is it with an X? Yeah, yeah. He's just or a J. Excuse me. No, it's a J. Uh, okay. So uh, it's oh, Xavier. Soft, I was soft Xavier. J. My bad, my bad. Javier. All right. So um, <laughs> anyway, no. It's, it's basically you got this guy uh, who puts together a group. So. There's a mad scientist supposed to be a group of super outcasts. You have your certain characters are Negative Man, who's basically invisible and he wears like bandages all over his body so he can be seen and drawn. Uh, you have Elastic Girl. I thought he was just a dude who just always said something negative. 
Hey guys, I don't hey, think we're gonna, gonna win hey, this hey, time. Hey, negative man, you want you want to go you want to go to movies with us? No, I heard that movie sucks. You guys so. aren't. You guys don't really want me to come. You're just saying because you yeah. feel bad. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, you have negative man, Elastigirl, Crazy Jane. I don't know what she does. Uh, you have Robot Man, who's a giant robot. Uh, he's uh-huh. like a self-aware robot. I would hope so. If Robot Man yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. a giant robot, that would be uh, really bad marketing on his part. He's just a guy who's really good at popping and locking on the street. That's his move. Um, <laughs> and so basically, it's a story of all these people. I don't know who the... It's usually the, the, car- the carry-along character. I think it's Elastigirl's the carry-along character, where it's like the person that is the most like the audience you know the ones that kind of like what's going on type of person so i think that's gonna be your main person that's done by april balby um a couple announcements were made this week on who was uh who's being uh brought into it one of which is alan tudyk is playing a a main character Um, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal Yeah, yeah yeah i think uh so I am a leaf on the wind. Watch Alan Tudyk is playing. Uh, what was that? What was it called again? Uh, one second. Alan Tudyk is playing uh, Mister Nobody. If I were not I don't, married, I would take you in a manly fashion. I don't know what he is, uh, who Mister Nobody is, but Alan Tudyk is playing him. It looks like it's gonna be completely CGI. So there's that. Um, also, Brendan Fraser's in it. I think he's playing the mad scientist that brings them all together, which sounds pretty interesting. The only bad news about this, uh, well, so there's some good news. There's a bunch of photos. They have some photos of um, Robot Man, Elastigirl, and the uh, magic school bus that they go on. That's what that's their uh, that's their that's their Blackwing. You know, <laughs> it's just a school bus that they just drive around in an old prison school bus. And uh, there's some pictures of it. Robot Man looks. Well, I hope there's just CGI. That's the best I can say about Robot Man. Hopefully, there's something to kind of make up for how robot he and uh, plastic he looks. But we'll see. Uh, the only bad news is that it's going to be on DC Universe, and I am never going to purchase that because currently their flagship show is the uh, uh, was it Titans show that looks absolutely god awful. So I have no hope that that's going to be any good. That server's gonna be good, so maybe one day I'll have to pirate it or something. Because holy moly, I have no, I have no intentions of getting DC Universe ever. So hopefully there'll be some other ways to watch it, but that's the only bad news. So look it up. I might try and pick out a, a decent Doom Patrol comic here soon because I would like to get to know what they are before the the show comes out. But we'll see. Anyways, that's all I gotta talk about. You got anything else? Yeah, I got one more thing I want to do. Uh, I want to talk about quick another Kickstarter that just came up this past week. Um, I think it was this past week. Actually, it might have been two weeks ago. Uh, it ends pretty quickly. It ends on Friday, September 7th. Uh, it's for a board game called The Ancient World, uh, second edition. It is by uh, a designer by the name of Ryan Lockett, who also does illustration and the publication through his his company called Red Raven Games. He's kind of like a like a Renaissance uh, man, but he's I know I Red Raven I think Red Raven has expanded now, so he's got like uh, more people working and everything. But um, I want to talk about it because uh, I love this company and I love this designer. Uh, pretty much everything this guy has designed, my wife and I have backed, played, and enjoyed immensely. Some of them, some of his games are our favorite games. So like uh, one of his games called City of Iron, second edition, is my favorite board game of all time. Uh, so it's the one on my board game geek that I have rated at like a 10. Um, I just love it. It's amazing. And then my wife, I think her favorite is, is uh, uh, Above and Below, which is another one of his games. 
Uh, and then we've also loved Near and Far and Islebound. Uh, we have Empires of the Void 2 unpacked and ready to go. We just haven't haven't gotten to the table yet. Um, but this is a second edition of another board game. Uh, it's a, another one of those like, kind of two to four player games, I believe. Um, and it is a reprint, or not a reprint, but it's a, it is a reprint, but also a second edition of the 2014 uh, release that I think has sort of gone out of print over the past couple of years. One of the reasons I don't have it is because I just, it was hard to find at a certain, when I, when I started looking for it. Um, so I'm really happy that a second edition is coming out. So I'm just going to kind of go over a little bit of how he sort of describes it. So, cause he's a great writer in his own right. Uh, but he, he describes it. This is how he describes on his actual Kickstarter page. It's an ancient world forgotten by time. And there are the, these enormous Titans that are terrorizing the specific land. And there are five tribes and every player plays as one of these tribes. So I think it plays up to five then. Five tribes have been fleeing from the Titans for centuries, um, but hopefully things are changing because these tribes have started to establish city-states and these city-states are, have, are trying to like push back against these massive Titans um, and try to make, you know, quote, the world a safer place. Um, so all of the city-states uh, compete to attack uh, to attract these tribes and like they're trying to combine the peoples and make them really stronger. Um, so... Uh, specifically, players compete to grow the largest and most influential city-state by managing citizens, treasury, and military, and by defeating these large titans. Um, players take turns sending citizens to take special actions, so sort of action selection, sort of worker placement, sort of uh, and or using military cards to attack titans. Um, and then one of the actions a citizen can perform is to build empire cards, which give more citizens, money, and abilities. Um, and a city-state's influence in the world is measured by the sets of tribe banners that it's owned. So um, each empire card has one or more tribe banners, and tribe banners can also be gained by defeating titans, so these those large creatures. Um, so you get victory points for sets of banners because there's a little bit of set collection involved. Uh, there's six rounds to the game, and then it's just whoever has the most VP at the end. It's not a direct combat game. Um, it's not cooperative either, so you're not actually working together, even though these, you know, you're, you're kind of fighting off these Titans. It's not a direct war between you and other players. It's more, you're just sort of competing kind of like for fame or just for status or just, just to be the strongest and um, most noteworthy. Um, if you're familiar with the first edition, so if anyone's listening has actually played it or owns it, um, the specific changes that they've noted are that there are new Titans that uh, are in this second edition that weren't in the first. And they've also revised some of the older Titans. Um, there's larger player boards, which are gorgeous. Uh, there's a new resource, there's some updated cards, and then there's this wonderful little detail uh, that the Titans now can actually attack uh, the players as well, where in the first edition they they didn't. Now they actually can, can come off the map in some way and actually attack uh, the specific city-states. Now this is, um, the other things I would say about this is that Ryan Lockett's games are incredibly um, beautiful. Uh, I mentioned that he does the artwork, uh, he does the illustrations, uh, the board art, the card art, uh, the box art, etc., um, and you know the 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 art that you can find within the rulebook itself—it's beautiful and striking and incredibly colorful and evocative. Um, his games often are set in sort of the sim similar worlds. I don't think Ancient World is necessarily in the same one as City of Iron, uh, but a lot of them have kind of the similarities. Definitely, the art, art style is incredibly noticeable. Um, it's very colorful and vibrant. Um, and whether it's like a space game like Empires of the Void, or whether it's like a fantasy game like um, like uh, Above and Below or Near and Far, like you can kind of you know once you see Ryan Lockett's artwork, it kind of is the same wherever you go, and you're going to get it. And it's just gorgeous to look at, and such a pleasure to play on. Um, his games are also really easy to learn how to play. I, I've never um, City of Iron Second Edition is probably his heaviest game, um, meaning it's the most complicated. But even that, 
I've found to not be that hard. I've played far more complicated games, which isn't to say that his games are simplistic. Like there's a lot of deep and interesting strategy that you can start to employ. So like they are such accessible games. I really think that his stuff and Red Raven games in general are great ambassadors to people who are just kind of getting in uh, to board gaming. Like if you if you're if you're a family or you're a couple that's trying to get into board gaming and you're not really sure where to go because there's just so many new board games that are available, I would definitely encourage you to check out Red Raven games because I I really do uh, think they're great. He's got a he's got one in Target now, like a like a specific Target exclusive called Megaland that I haven't played um, yet, but um, it increases to me like the argument of accessibility that he's a great ambassador if you, like Target is selling this kind of stuff. You know, it's really great. Um, now this specific Kickstarter, I'll, let me talk about some of the other things. Um, there are two pledges. Uh, so you can have one or two pledge levels. His stuff is always fairly simplistic like that, which is great. It's very easy to navigate the page. Uh, so if you already own the first edition, you can spend 15 bucks and just get an upgrade pack, uh, which gives you all the new components, new player boards, which are bigger. Um, and I think they have some variation on them, the new rule book, new cards, et cetera. Um, if you're brand new to it, or if you just want to start fresh with a new edition, there's the other tier, which is what I'm backing at, which is 50 bucks. Um, and it nets you a copy of the second edition. And also, if you back uh, on uh, on Kickstarter, uh, as opposed to waiting for it to come to retail, you also get a set of 64 metal coins. Uh, metal coins are kind of a, a, a like a deluxe version uh, or deluxe uh, item uh, to board games these days. So a lot of a lot of a lot of games when they're on Kickstarter, one of the ways that they kind of reward or entice people to back on Kickstarter is having these higher quality materials. And metal coins is one of them, and they're great. Um, I have metal coins for uh, for some of his other games as well. So I've gotten them. Uh, both for, I want to say, Empires of the Void and for Near and Far, I want to say off the top of my head. And they're great. They look they look fantastic. Um, the $15 tier doesn't come with the coins, but you're able to add them in, add them on if you want. You can you can, you can can actually order them separate as, as opposed to having to, to pay for the $15 one. Uh, the game's estimated to be delivered in June of 2019. And I will say that Red Raven has been fantastic with deadlines, uh, as far as I'm concerned, in my experience. Um, on average, I have always received my games either on or before the Kickstarter estimates. Uh, once or twice, I think the games might have slipped, but if they've slipped their deadline by maybe a month or two, which for Kickstarter is like uh, amazing. Like Kickstarter is sort of, for board games, sort of renowned for their to be, to be delays, and Red Raven is just fantastic at it. Um, so I'm, I'm backing this myself just because I love his games. His stuff has become an uh, absolute insta back for me uh, i haven't played the game myself so uh, that then so let me say that outright um but i've played everything else to the point where i feel incredibly comfortable uh playing you know backing this because i know i'm going to enjoy it because I've, I've enjoyed all of his other games that we've played so far and i think we have five at this point five or six um uh, just i actually think that you and chrissy uh might like his games not necessarily i mean like you know if you want to back this i think it, this is not a bad choice to jump in but i think something like above and below would be a great game if you guys were looking to move beyond kind of the small little box like the exit and the unlock games that you were playing is that the one back. on target above and below uh no megaland is but you can try that too i've not played megaland so i can't speak uh directly to it but above and below melissa and i have played we've played the crap out of that game so and it's a, it's amazing it's uh you kind of go everyone's kind of building up their own separate villages uh, and you go on these little adventures sometimes to go into the caves. So like below your village and you have like this little storybook and it's sort of like a choose your own adventure thing. So you roll dice and based on what you roll, you read a little blurb that tells you a little bit of story and you make decisions based on it. And it's so much fun. Uh, it's really easy to learn how to play. And not only that, but it, playing that game, like once you play one Ryan Lockett game, it becomes so much easier to learn how to play all of his other ones because I think he presents his games in similar ways. 
And I also think that there are certain mechanisms that he likes to employ in a lot of his games, or at least similarities between them, so that they're they're very easy to to acclimate to like the next iteration of it. Uh, so to me, I really think you guys should check this out. Um, maybe not the, if you don't want to wait for a year, obviously, but check out some of his games, like check out that Megaland game in Target, or check out Above and Below, um, which you can probably grab on like you know Amazon or Miniature Market or Cool Stuff or something like that. Uh, I don't know what the stat uh, what the stock is like right now, but it's a it's a wonderful game, and I really think this is this is the company that I think is doing doing it right. They're they're a smaller company, uh, but they they communicate well, they deliver fast, they have high quality stuff. Their stuff is gorgeous to play. Uh, it's great to look at and everything is just fairly easy to learn. So it's, a, it's they're, they're great. I don't want to say gateway games because I feel like that's a bad label, but I think they're great ambassadors to what I think board games can do uh, and how much fun they can be. So uh, specifically, this is Ancient World. It's second edition. Uh, it's up on Kickstarter until the 7th of September. Uh, so it's about six days from when we're recording. So you don't have a whole lot of time after you after you hear this, uh, this drop, but highly recommend uh, checking this out. All right, sounds good, man. Okay, so that is it for us for our, uh, our rundown for the week. We are going to head from our rundown to our breakdown. Uh, I see what you some... did there. That was good. See what I did? That was yeah. Good, good transition. Right. Uh, let's do that now. It's the movie. Breakdown. Created by Hanya Elkington and Simon Durek, The Innocence is a British supernatural drama that follows teenage lovers June McDaniel and Harry Poke as they attempt to run away together and start new lives. Now, June and her agoraphobic brother Ryan have been living with their well-intentioned but somewhat oppressive father, their mother having left a few years earlier under mysterious circumstances. Harry lives with his mother, Christine, who's a police investigator, haunted by an unsolved case from three years back that left her husband in a catatonic state. As June and Harry try to follow through with their escape plans, an unexpected wrinkle changes everything as June develops an amazing yet frightening ability allowing her to shapeshift, an ability being studied elsewhere at this remote Norwegian island named Sanctum by Guy Pierce's Ben Halverson. Now, as the series progresses, the love between June and Harry is tested, and the line between good and bad becomes fairly murky. And we're going to try not to spoil too much about The Innocence, but if you want to remain completely unspoiled headed into watching it yourself, you should skip ahead to The Gentleman's Challenge. And on that note, Justin, what did you think of Netflix's new drama, The Innocence? It was interesting. Um, I don't know. The, to me, like, I understand the mystery of putting questions forward and not answering them all right away and uh, it being kind of like an intricate weird show but there's so many questions i have in the first two episodes and it almost what becomes, are some of those questions like i'm kind of curious why did the transformed woman in the opening scene i'm not giving it away because this is given away in like the first five minutes of the show yeah it's not a big why is she trying to seemingly kill herself um why are we sedating the sun. Why? Why are all of these things happening? One of the questions I have, like, well, the sedating the sun thing was was kind of obvious. He's he was agoraphobic, which means he's afraid of going. Yeah, outside. but like he's putting like they a were, large amount in there. Well, it's because they're moving. The I whole guess. premise of the first of the first episode is that they're moving to a Scottish island uh, away from everywhere. Yeah, and 
in order to move him, he, he, he was not going to go outside. So they have to like drug him with a bunch of kinds of stuff so that they can actually move him without having like a, like a, an incident. So, and like, at least I can answer that one quickly, quickly so. and easily for you. Um, yeah. like, I don't know. It's just like, I understand having mystery in your show and maybe it's just cause we're watching, maybe it's cause I'm watching so many more and we do pick these we have a tendency to pick these uh, sci-fi-esque, interesting mystery shows. But sometimes I feel like... Kind of like the point of our uh, podcast, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, I, I, I just wonder, is there a, a diminishing returns on the amount of questions you can have in the first episode? Like, at a certain point, does it become too many what the hell's going on? You know, is it, does it become too much? I, I kind of got mm-hmm. that early on. They, they cleared some stuff up in the second episode... But still, it's like it's just so strange and weird, and it's interesting. But I don't know if there was a moment where it really hooked me too much. Um, like I don't think it's bad. Like I'm not saying that. I just I, mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's. I don't know. I just I just felt weird watching it. The only thing I was sure of is that even though Guy Pierce is stunningly handsome, when he was wearing that uh like that schmock thing in the first scene. No matter who wears that schmuck, they look like an evil person. No matter what, so I just yeah, gotta like assume. You say schmuck. <laughs> it sounds like you're like a Boston yeah. dude. It's schmack. schmack, but yeah. like I'm schmack. Yeah, I'm schmack. Like you think I'm schmack? But it's just like oh, it's good. I to me. I'm assuming he's evil just specifically because of that dastardly outfit he was wearing. Sure, and he also, looked like he looked like Frankenstein. The so. music, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever you. It's just very strange. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just. Maybe I just am. Uh, I have a slow, a, 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 a low attention span. You know, maybe I just can't handle these anymore because my brain's old. But I just mm-hmm. feel like, can we get to the point? Sometimes I want to get into this, this thing. Uh, let's, let's get going. But so, I, I don't know. So other than like you just not putting the the two and two together with the agoraphobic thing like what was the other questions that you had that you that you would have liked um, to have answered off the bat like things that you would would have preferred like the meaning like the first two episodes would have been better had this stuff had been a little bit more blunt and open about what was going on like what, what like are, one what of the things questions? i'm really confused about is the guy with the beard on the same on the same page as guy pierce it's a fantastic question and i and 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 with that, like, why, why, why is this so? Like, I don't know. It's just strange. I don't know. Maybe I'm just old. Maybe no, I'm, I'm just trying to. I'm just. I'm curious. It's just I'm so weird. Curious. And I don't think it's. I don't think it's bad. But maybe I'm just getting too old for thinking so much. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any, I, I, I just felt weird about this show. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's very strange. I watched it and I. I was very into it when I was watching it, but I was just like, I don't know. It was just, I'm not into the, maybe I'm getting away from the whole, let's have a thousand questions in the first episode and slowly unravel them over time. Like, I, I get that that's a, a plot structure and that's how you want to tell a story, like a story structure, but I don't know. It just seemed like a lot in the first episode. So like, after the first episode, I just remember the first episode me going, what the hell is happening? Is this good? <laughs> is this good, or is it supposed, or does it seem good because I don't know what the hell's happening? Right? Like, are they just trying to trick me? A, a bad show with 
uh, with enough questions that I don't understand certain things that, you know what I'm talking about? So I don't know. But, oh well. What do you think? Maybe I'm just too dumb to understand what's going on. Okay, so you watched the first two episodes, right? Yeah, first two. One and two. So I've watched all eight episodes. Uh, you've watched the first two. Um, so I rem- I know, and we watched them over the course of a week. So we watched like basically one episode a night um, for the course of a week, and maybe one or t- once or twice watched two episodes uh, at the same time. Um, now, I remember thinking at the end of the first episode, uh, I remember being slightly confused about certain things but not in a bad way i didn't i didn't feel like this show like i have complaints about this show but my but my complaints have nothing to do with confusion um i didn't feel it was a particularly complicated show to be honest um i actually thought that the stories were pretty straightforward um in terms like the mysteries themselves uh the biggest question i had was uh basically uh, i think I think you could intuit it, like uh, the, the which was the biggest mystery we had to do with Harry's mother's former case, um, and and what relevance that had to the goings on of today, uh, and I think that could be intuited. And then the other questions I had were about whether or not certain characters, one of whom doesn't appear in the first two episodes, so I, I won't I won't mention her too much, uh, but also Guy Pierce's character, whether or not these people were good or bad. You know, like are are do they have good good intentions like what are their motivations and i don't think that's a bad thing not knowing that i actually think that's a good thing i i want you know looking back on it i enjoyed not you know having some uncertainty about whether or not guy pierce's ben halverson character dr halverson uh was trying to help the women on his uh island of sanctum or whether he had ulterior motives that were of questionable morality right and I didn't know because he presents honestly as a very helpful guy. And even some of the times where they played like the sinister music with him, like recording certain things and hiding it away. And I was just like, why are they playing sinister music right now? He's a researcher. It makes sense to record sessions and, and, and you know, and document them. So there were moments when, you know, when that kind of confusion never really bothered me. Um, so I never, I, yeah, I didn't feel like I've, I've watched many more shows. I thought that were far more complex or opened up you know, too many questions off the bat. Cause I agree with you. I think there are times when shows, I think drop too many hooks or drop, ask too many questions um, all at once to the point where, you know, it's just like you lose track of what those questions are. And then often those shows, which are usually on NBC get canceled after 13 episodes. And you're like, I don't know what happened, you know, something like that. So, um, so I totally get that. Um, so I prefer shows that introduce some questions uh, which then, as you answer them, lead to new questions, right? And then, as you answer those, those lead to new questions. Like I prefer that kind of way of, of sort of telling the story. Um, but I didn't find this a particularly complicated show. But I did find the pacing of the show to sometimes uh, frustrate me, um, and not so much in the fact that it's a slow-paced show, because I just watched Sharp, uh, Sharp Objects for crying out loud, and that is a, a show that that moves glacially, uh, but. I did get a little frustrated because I felt like there were some episodes that just treaded water and the characters, specifically June and Harry would constantly sort of like change what they wanted to do. Like within the same 10 minute segment that they were on, they would go from like, we're in love. We're not in love. We're in love. We're not in love. And you could say like, okay, that's just a teenage thing, but this show doesn't present itself like a Riverdale, you know, if it's Riverdale, which is just sort of trash, you know, which I love by the way. Um, 
then then that makes sense. But this show is not really presenting him in that way. It's like it's a fairly mature take on it. You yeah, know? the tone was weird at times. Like you get like the very young angsty music, right? With like the uh, right. with like oh we're free willing, we're we can the whole world's ahead of us, and then like you have people like doing horrible horrible things, you know, like stomping on guys' grapes, trying to get <laughs> information out of them, stuff like this. It's like it's pretty funny. I know they're not. You can't, they're not mutually exclusive, but the tone at times is very weird and back and forth. Like, super serious beginning, and then, like, we have the whole world in front of us, and, and then, but, like, almost paced strangely. Like, it can be done like that, but, right. like, it's, it was so weirdly spread out. Right. I just found, like, some of the decisions that certain characters make to be a little beguiling, like... Like when it, when Harry says like it's you and me forever June like we're together I choose you blah 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 and then like thirty seconds he, later he leaves it's just like wait wait are you just like a total liar or you know and then vice versa because she sort of does the same thing you know um, so I found the two of them somewhat frustrating and I also felt like everyone was sort of really mean to like the father <laughs> like just super mean to him um, but and honestly he seemed like possibly the best of the uh, best of the, the group strangely enough um but overall i enjoyed the show um i do feel it's interesting the way it ended because it ended as if it looked like yeah, the stories were all going to resolve and i was like oh okay maybe this is just it's over now because i sometimes go into this not having looked too much into them beforehand and i thought okay maybe it's just a limited series but then there was like some cliffhangers at the end and stuff like that um i also thought that there are a lot of times when like certain conflict that are that are was it a rose? Yeah, certain conflict that came up would would have been really easily uh, fixed had people just you know used a cell phone, like which exists in the world sometimes, or just said something to one another. Um, so there are just moments where I, th I I just felt like the show, the season probably could have done. You probably could have cut an episode, maybe like, and and it could have been paced a little bit better, especially if you weren't having kind of repetitive. Um, repetitive, you know, things, repetitive choices, choices where the characters like you've already established that, like you don't need to do it again. Now it's just sort of being repetitive to me. Um, and it's hard to really say what without giving a few things away. Um, but there were moments where that, that felt a little repetitive. Um, the other complaint I had about the show uh, was that I felt it was too, um, too small in terms of the world that it developed. Um, the notion of shapeshifters, right, which is at the centerpiece of it. And as you know, we've said, like that that's the premise of the show. So like we're not giving anything away. But they keep they keep it so small and so tight that I wish, especially since they might have a second season, I wish they would have done better uh, or done more to hint at sort of a larger world behind all of this. Instead, it's a very kind of intimate look at a very small island slash peninsula in Norway. Uh, where which is where sanctum is and then like london and then like this small village uh near london um where they originally started from but there really wasn't indications of whether or not there was like a bigger conspiracy a bigger story going on whether what the larger context is now granted they could probably do that in season two and maybe they just wanted to tell a nice tight story uh, but at the same time it always felt i felt a little claustrophobic and i kept like waiting for like an, I, oh i felt like a, waiting for another shoe uh, to drop in a way or another another complication to come in and it never really came which is why i think it i didn't think it was a difficult story to follow um because I, I don't think it ever really pushed and tried to make these webs too complicated now it's different because like you just watched the first two episodes i watched all all eight so like i don't know if having seen the whole thing it makes it easier for me to understand it 
uh, now or or if I would have watched just the two, if I would be in the same boat as you. I, I'm not really sure. Um, but overall, I, I enjoyed it, but I don't. But there were things about it that did sort of give me pause here and there. And like if I were like to me, I give it like a B, you know, like it's almost good. It's almost like really good, but it's not like it's it's better. Than, it's certainly better than average. Like to me, like it's, it's certainly a better than average show, but I don't like it didn't really blow my mind yet. Um, it reminded me strangely of a show from um, I want to say about five years ago on AMC called The Intruders or just Intruders. I can't remember. It had Mira Sorvino in it. Um, it had Millie Bobby Brown uh, from uh, Stranger Things. She was in it, uh, a younger, you know, obviously younger. She was like the kid in it, but she was like playing an adult. And it was about people who could essentially, like these immortals that were entering other people's bodies. And so it, that had a very similar pace and a very similar storyline. It wasn't shape-shifting so much. It was just sort of like body snatching. But uh, but it reminded me a lot of that, like one season show from from a couple years back. But overall, overall, I would recommend it. I, I think it's actually pretty good. And it's got it's got some good kind of good storylines and it really tries to it tries very hard to like make you actually care about the characters themselves you know like it's not just about the mystery uh, of it it's about actually rooting especially for june and harry to kind of make it work and like to survive all of this craziness that starts to fall into their lives because of, of june's ability you know and the, and the various various things surrounding it like would you recommend it to other people yeah i didn't think it was terrible i, I wouldn't mind recommending it to others um it's interesting I think when you think about the stuff we've watched recently, I think it's better than The Rain. I think it's better than as the other Netflix shows we watched. Um, it's better than a, a couple things on Netflix we've gone through. So, like, I think it's better than Lost of Space, you know, stuff like that. But, like, for me, I'm, I'm probably not going to continue it myself, but I think it's better than what we've been going through mostly. So, it's right. it's a tentative yes for me, so. Um, I will continue with it if there is a second season. I already watched the whole first season, so clearly it hooked me enough to watch the whole thing. Um, I thought it was thoughtful, you know? It was, like, thoughtful, and it didn't... It, it, it was. I, I thought it was not necessarily the most complicated show, but it, at the same time, it was, like, more emotionally centered, and that was kind of interesting. So it really had you kind of rooting for characters, as long as you like those characters, which at times I didn't. <laughs> they, they, made, they made decisions that annoyed me. Uh, but they're teenagers, so I guess that's the thing. So, but anyway, that's the innocence. It's on Netflix right now. You get all uh, all eight episodes of the first season. Uh, no news at the moment as of the recording whether or not there will be a second. So go check it out if you're interested. Uh, but on that note, we're gonna head over and we are going to challenge each other in a gentlemanly way. And now it's time for the gentleman's challenge. The Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast, uh, where Justin and I like to challenge the other to complete some sort of activity. Uh, usually it involves maybe watching a TV show or a movie or playing a game of some kind. Sometimes these challenges are meant to annoy the other. Sometimes they're meant to just expose the other to something pretty cool that they haven't heard of yet. Uh, and then to ensure that we did our homework, we come back on the next episode and we quiz each other about it. Uh, and I... Uh, beat Justin like all the time, like every single time on these quizzes. Uh, I think Justin's going to get held back a grade, actually. Uh, but Makes I should sense. also mention, <laughs> I should also mention uh, that this segment is a spoiler-heavy zone, uh, so we 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 will talk and ruin stuff uh, quite 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 regularly. So if that concerns you, 
uh, you might uh, not want to listen to uh, this segment until after you've watched some of the concepts or some of the, the TV shows that we were we were focusing on. Justin's going to go ahead and start us off this week. Justin, what was your challenge? You gave me the freeform, uh, soon-to-be classic, Siren. Soon-to-be already is, sir. Sorry, my bad. I thought it just came out, so whatever. Uh, anyways. I think there's a season two. There's around. a second season, yeah. Yeah. So exciting. the story is a mermaid obsessed town is turned upside down when a mysterious girl appears and begins wreaking havoc. So basically there's this town, I think it's in like the Mainish area. That's what I'm getting from it. I think it was. It's in the state of Washington. Oh, never mind. Completely other side of the world. <laughs> Pacific Northwest. It's very so, straight, dude. I knew I was wrong. I knew I was wrong. Uh anyways. Uh so basically there's this town that they're in that has a storied past of being involved with mermaids and the town cellar basically uh, was, I guess, seduced by mermaids and was brought to the town. And that's where he settled because he wanted to keep on seeing the mermaids. And that's created this town's obsession with it. And the story opens up with a fishing boat. And they basically, uh, it's like, a, they're just I guess they're just getting fish. There was nothing specific they were getting. They didn't go much into it. And on their catch... Uh, when they drop it down, they notice there's something large in it, and uh, it strikes one of their crew members and uh, gets them like, a, a really large cut in his chest, and it goes and hides under deck. They report it in, and the military shows up and uh, takes it off their hands, and also takes their friend off their hands. And it's a very mysterious thing what happened, because they're like, you know, it's a, it's clearly a creature, they didn't know what it was. So anyways, they go back, and then you start meeting the main characters. Uh, the main character, Ben, is uh, this guy who basically is the son of the mayor. Um, his mother is a... Uh, uh, she's in a wheelchair, and her his brother is a little bit more of a, I guess, straight-laced, uh, mama's boy, papa's boy type of guy. Ben is a conservist. He basically goes around and helps make sure that um, local wildlife is being... Uh, rescued and dealt with um he's currently in a relationship with a girl named maddie and maddie is a uh, local girl who seems to be a little bit more i guess wild but she's also one of these uh okay. conservationists um it seems to be a little bit more about race than anything if i were to guess because she's she's uh she's almost like she's uh polynesian it seems there's a very heavy uh Polynesian background, a lot of these characters, which I think is very interesting uh, with the casting of this show, because it is in the Pacific <clears throat> Northwest, not in the uh, did, Northeast. So, did did we watch the same show? Yeah. Okay. It seemed that's what it seemed like. Just didn't I also like, like how you're talking about like Polynesian type, but you thought it was said. <laughs> well, now I know. But still, <laughs> I, I, that's what I thought was weird. Like, this is in Maine. I don't think he was Polynesian, by the way. Uh, I can't remember the name of his tribe he mentioned it at one point i should have made that a quiz question darn it um oh, but uh, the father no it's uh, uh he's native american i can't remember the yeah name so it's kind of like that's why i got polynesian out of it because of it being, co <laughs> it being coastal and i had just seen all this stuff because i went to alaska last year so i was like anyways um so <clears throat> one day as ben's driving home from work comes across a woman walking in the middle of the street she's straight up naked he takes care of her um she can't speak but she sings real cool and uh, the doctor comes, and before the doctor comes, she escapes. Um, she gets picked up by a guy and murders him, which I thought that scene was actually pretty cool. 
It's probably the only scene in the whole show where I was like, that's really interesting. Um, and then they eventually find her again, and she's got like really bad skin problems because she's kind of transforming back into her because she's a, she's a mermaid. They trans she's kind of transforming back to a mermaid, and uh, then when she jumps in the water, Ben jumps in after her, and uh, she bites him, and they have a fight, and it's yeah, there's that second episode. Uh, she gets away, and. The whole thing's super boring. The, sh the show's so boring. Um, it's basically just a guy who doesn't want to live the same life as his parents, wants to be a little bit more of a conservationist. This, the city has a uh, has a sordid past that it wasn't so much that they were in sync with the mermaids, they were murdering them and creating genocide with the mermaids. Um, so these mermaids don't like humans very much. The government has taken her friend and is researching on her. They're also trying to bait her out, it seems, to get her to come with them, too. And she wants to save her sister. Yet somehow she knows what the word sister means and all these things, even though there's really nothing to indicate that she's saying sister other than she's pointing at a book that says sister on it. Either way, uh, the show's super boring. Um, so what I think about it, it's boring and slow. Nothing really happens. It's just people trying to deal with mermaids. The special effects are okay at times. Most times it looks pretty bad because it is freeform. Um, I don't know. The main character, uh, the main male lead, the guy who plays Ben, Alex Rowe, is terrible. Uh, he's just so uninteresting. He's very handsome. I'll give him that. Wow. He looks great. Um, wow. But he's he's just terrible. I can't take him. He's That's someone's son, Justin. Sure. Okay. Well, their son's terrible at he acting. Has a family. What? He's bad. I, it's not. I'm sure Better he is. Are. I'm sure he yeah. is, but he's bad. Uh, I like the Maddie character more. Uh, his girlfriend character more. He was in the fifth wave. How could he be bad? Yeah, it must have been great. Uh, the girl who plays Rin the mermaid, I feel like she was 100% cast just because she has high cheekbones. Um, and she clearly is Russian of some type because I, I feel Russian the way she talks sometimes. But uh, I'm sure I'm wrong. But... She's, uh, she's British. Uh, she was born in Belgium, actually. There you go. She's she's yeah. a Reuben. There you go. Perfect. I think she grew up within the. She graduated from the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in 2011 with a BA. Well, she's degree. putting a lot of good Acting. use to that by just staring real wide at the camera. Mm -hmm. You are you are are you, are you okay? Did something yeah, I don't happen? Know, man. This this, this Did show was so like, pissing your cornflakes no, today. Like, uh, this show stunk. Crazy. It just. This is not. This is an excellent show. It got no, it has to be good. It's not good. It, it's so boring. Nothing happens. The so cool you're thing... telling me? Hang yeah. on. Hang on. You're telling me a show set in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Beautiful, wonderful trees, gloomy weather, but beautiful trees. You're telling me <laughs> that a show that takes place here has to do with real life mermaids. It's boring. And not yes. just like, you know, mermaids, but like, you know, vicious mermaids. Yeah. And then boring. and then there's a military conspiracy on top of it. How do you find that uh, boring? It's because it's super boring. It's you, sir. I feel like crazy. this could be done in a movie because there's just not enough stuff You're to crazy. have it go multiple episodes. It's just. Do you think that Rin and Ben Will eventually, you know, be a thing, and it'll. That's like, a thing too. Yeah. Where like they create this I'm like wondering. almost weird 
love triangle between Ben Siren song, man. That's what they do. Yeah, but like she played the song for him and now he's all messed up in the head. But like she attacked him. So like why would he even try to even do anything ever with her again? She almost bit his head off. Like cuz he's a conservationist, man. Cause he he's understands. He's a stupid bad acting guy. That's what it is. He's not a bad actor. It's just so He's boring. not a bad Alex Rowe, you're perfectly adequate. You're you're perfectly adequate. You're perfectly Excellent. average. He's and just... Aline Powell, like your cheekbones are, are are perfectly fine where they're at. They're not too high the way my partner here suggests that they are. And uh yeah. Whatever other insults he made. Just know that I just, he I just found it officially so, for the podcast. I just found that there's like nothing that was happening was of interest. The coolest thing that happened was when that guy tried attacking her and she kills him and throws him through the, the, the car. Right. I, right. I would have liked Which more awesome. than that. That would have been cool. I also would like them to pick a tone. Let's if you want this to be horror, let's let's be horror. Okay. Let's what do, do you that. mean pick a tone? It's been it's been a weird small town military mystery the whole time. I think they have like consistent. Jaws aspects. They have like Jaws slasher aspects. aspects. Like you know, like because it's like, on water, you think it has something to do yeah, with Jaws? The thriller in water. That's racist. Let's That's keep it is. there. Let's 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 do something. It just it wasn't thriller the thing. In water. Where, like, she wants to do more with her life, man. Why you gotta? Why you gotta keep? Well, her I just like kind of thinking of Ariel when I saw her constantly. Too. You're such a she's chauvinist. A you're, you're just mermaid. such a chauvinist. A woman sure. comes up out of the water, wants to have a better life for her and her sister, and you just you just gotta. All you have to do is talk about her cheekbones, apparently. But whatever. Sure. I don't. I don't think she was terrible. <laughs> I thought she looks really cool, but like she only had like three lines. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, she's not the problem. The main no, character who does most of the talking. He's the problem. Uh, he, he's so fine. Falling asleep watching this show is terrible. What? Anyways, what it's are your questions for this action-packed uh, uh, love All fest? Right. Here? You're so negative. All right. So, question number one: Where's the best weed? That's part one. In in comma, <laughs> in did or did not the beach party scene where you learn about where the best weeds from seem like a bad Corona commercial? Oh yeah, it did. It definitely yeah. was like a. It totally felt like I was watching bad. a Corona commercial. It was terrible. Come down hey. to the beach, man, and let's get some Coronas. Right. I don't know that's, that's supposed to be. Not that's not Corona. That's Red Stripe. What the hell are you doing? Yay, Corona! <laughs> Anyways, uh, where's the best weed? I want to know where to find the best weed. I can't remember where the best weed was. That's a the shame. best weed is on the in, beach in Aberdeen. I don't remember that at all. Average. I don't even remember that. Right. Okay. Pop quiz hot shot. You find <laughs> you find a naked woman stumbling out of the woods into the road in front of your car who clearly looks injured and confused. What do you do? What do you do? Uh I take her back to my uh apartment shanty place, call a doctor, <laughs> and then just leave her alone. I do and then <laughs> And then, and then so when dumb. I find her again, and I call the doctor again, I'll leave her alone again. Because so nothing's right? going to happen. Uh, one of my notes was, someone needs to put a bell on this girl. Because she just keeps on walking away. Wow. It's just, down again. How, how bad of thought processes, like, oh, she left once. I'm sure if I go in the other room again, 
and leave all the doors unlocked, the windows open, she'll be fine. She'll be perfectly fine. She won't run away again. For me, the, the the most striking thing about the situation was that this woman comes stumbling out of the woods in the middle of nowhere, looking clearly confused uh, and injured and scared, and she falls down on the road in front of you. Do you know what you do? You call the freaking police. You call 911. You get an ambulance. You get cops out there. You nah, tell man, them what nah. You give like, her what your the own hell? university t-shirt. Take her home. I know. Like, I don't understand that. Like, okay, I could I, I could buy, yeah, okay, driving. If you're in, like, the middle of nowhere or something like that, if you're, you know. In, in the, the middle of town. Far away. You're in a town. It's okay. a small town. He was, no, it's a small town in Northwest. So I don't know how far outside of town he was. So I could buy driving her to a hospital. But you don't call your personal freaking doctor. Like, what do you, and take her home and let her sleep on your couch? What is wrong with you? And writers of that show, what is wrong with you? You're crazy. Um, but anyway, Justin, you got that wrong. What? Because that's that's not what you would do. Oh, that's what Ben right. Powell, which is the name of the character, would do. You having a brain uh, and understanding how, the hospital. You know, this kind of stuff works, you would make sure you would do the right thing. So that's that's a, that's a incorrect. But that's a good thing that you got it in. I just thought that he's real smart. He should know what he's doing. So I would go with him. All right, question number three. What was the funniest line of the first two episodes? It's a very specific line I'm looking for. Funniest line of the first two episodes. Funniest line. Is there anything the funny in the show? Oh, yeah. Um, it's a great line. It's so good. When I heard it, I laughed. It's fantastic. Is it uh, these seals losing their minds and roaring at everybody? And the kids going, no. what the? No, what's just, going on? Just, it's, like, it's like you're not even trying. I'm so upset. I don't even remember a funny line in the show. It's the exact same scene that we were just talking about. When the doctor shows up at his apartment. And he comes in after he met, you know, after the main guy met him outside. They go inside, and she's not there, and the windows open, and the and the doctor says, "Oh, she's a slippery one." Oh my god, <laughs> she's that. a mermaid. I remember she's that. She's slippery like a <laughs> it's fish. Such a stupid That's line. Hilarious. Yeah, but it's so funny. Okay. Question number four. Got great A writing go. show. I'm so. This is like one of my favorite quizzes I've ever made. Uh, number four. What are the ingredients in a fish shake? And if I challenged you to record you drinking this fish shake for our YouTube channel, would you do so? So what are the ingredients? So I think it was herring mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and cod. That's true. And then the answer's no. That sounds gross. When my wife was watching it, she was oh. like, that's so gross. I go, honey, you know she's drinking like a strawberry smoothie, right? You know, that's basically what she's drinking right now. I hear that she's a lot like Robert De Niro and that she method actor. She, she, did she likes to get into method. And so she really did drink a fish shake made out of herring, cod, and various nutrients, which you forgot. So Come I, can on, I got the main I can only give you, I'm going to give you partial credit. Calm down. Why do you keep on going in and out <laughs> of, a, of a Bostonian accent? You're just <laughs> slipping it out. I give you partial right. credit. <laughs> It's because you said schmuck. Every time you said schmuck, I just keep hearing it. <laughs> it's like, what was that? Schmuck. You mean smock? Is that what you mean? A smock? No, schmuck. Okay. Final question. Final question. What was more unbelievable in this show? It's multiple choice. A, that mermaids exist. B, that people still use crappy plastic cordless phones. C, that the fact that razors have not yet been invented in Bristol Cove, which is the name of the city, or D, how beautiful Xander's eyes are. That's that's tough because man, 
Xander's eyes are pretty ridiculous. Um, because he's just it's his dark complexion with his beautiful eyes as it makes it really really good. So I'll have to go with Xander's eyes because it's the, the combination of the that, two. That things. is the correct answer. Good, I'm good. so proud of you. Because it says it says I assume uh, mixed race with the beautiful eyes that makes it just wonderful. Wow. That's all it is. It's always race with you, man. It's always race or ethnicity. Can't it's people just be people? Guys. I'm giving the guy a plus. All right, let me let me tally this up here. You got a point two five there. You got a zero zero. Uh, I'll give you point five. But yep, you failed again. And That's what happened. So you got you got a one point seven five out of five. That's average. That's I'm good. One point seven five. It's a little below average for you, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So that was that was. I think I think oh, yeah, your challenge next week is going to watch episodes three and four. So <laughs> please, God, don't do that. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. Uh my turn. So Justin challenged me to watch Future Man, uh, which is on Hulu. Uh it is American is an American comedy web television series, uh, according to Wikipedia. Uh it's created by Howard Overman, Kyle Hunter, Ariel Shafir. Uh it stars Josh Hutcherson, uh, who most people know uh from Hunger Games, uh Eliza Coop, who I remember from the latter seasons of uh Scrubs. She was hilarious. Uh Derek Wilson, Ed Begley Jr., which is like, hey. It's Ed Begley Jr. Apparently, uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are part of the production. So I think they have their EPs, uh, which is kind of interesting. So the main character is Joss Futterman, uh, which is spelled very similarly to Future Man. uh, And that's played by Josh Hutcherson. Uh, He is kind of um, down on his life, uh, just kind of a loser type, uh, which might be judgmental of me, but I think think fairly accurate. Um, So he's a janitor. Uh, for a uh, for a company that Keith David um, runs, uh, the cr- like Cronish something or other Cronish Pharmaceuticals or something like that, um, and they are researching a variety of uh, of cures for illnesses, but most notably uh, for herpes, uh, because uh, Keith David uh, back in 1969 uh, got herpes uh, during the moon landing at a frat party, and it inspired him to want to learn to do this. Uh, and so Josh Henderson is a is a janitor uh, at this lab. Um, he also plays the video game. His favorite video game is Biotic Wars, um, which is sounds like a really stupid game, um, but it's about like a bunch of weird, like mutated uh, humanoids uh, who are like, killing everybody. And he's like trying to play it, and he keeps getting stuck at like level eighty three, uh, and he can never win. And then finally, just figures out a way past it, and it's a lot like. Uh, the last starfighter where it's just like the game was meant to be uh kind of a training simulator or at least to identify like the savior right and so then eliza coop and uh and derek wilson who play uh respectively tiger and wolf um from the video game come back in time uh acknowledge that reference to last starfighter and then tell josh uh, hutcherson uh that he is the future man and that he is their savior and that he's got to help them and he's like wait what and they're like wait don't you use video games as like training simulators for your best warriors and he's like no like literally the opposite of that is how we use video games and so they're very underwhelmed uh and then they decide to travel back uh they have the 69 uh which is meaning traveling back to 1969 uh to prevent uh, Keith David's character of Dr. Elias Cronish uh, from getting herpes because they think that if he doesn't get herpes, uh, he won't become a doctor because his company is responsible uh, for this like super cure that uh, caused the biotic wars to begin. It caused people to actually start being biotics. Um, and so they travel back in time. They go to a frat party. They make a bunch of other references like Back to the Future references, Animal Party, 
uh, or animal uh, animal house uh, references uh, and other things like that. Uh, he does like a moonwalk and wins a dance off uh, and convinces like the woman that was gonna give him herpes to not give the doctor herpes. Uh, and then they kill a bunch of, or they, they get into like this big old fight with like cops and stuff like that. So it's pretty crazy. It's absolutely stupid. Um, I said that Justin, this is a dumb show. Uh, it's just dumb, but it's the good kind of dumb. And then it's kind of funny. Uh, it plays on a lot of like weird stereotypes. It has a ton of references to a lot of uh, fairly classic geek uh, TV shows and movies. Uh, I've already mentioned a few, um, but it's really, really funny. I kind of like it. It's about 25 to 30 minutes per episode. There's two seasons currently, I believe. Um, I'm not sure if the second season's on Hulu yet, but I think there is a second season either coming or already on there. Um, I only watched the first two episodes, so I can't say much more beyond it. Uh, but it seems pretty funny. So I like. I, I liked it when I was watching. I enjoyed it. Um, thought it was funny. Uh, I thought the guy who plays uh, the wolf was really funny and over aggressive. He to me, uh, you're talking about Derek Wilson. Uh, he was amazing. Uh, absolutely, my favorite uh, part was whenever he was talking, because uh, his voice was too low. Because he like intentionally lowered his voice to make it sound like even more like like deep and manly than the only problem i had with the show was like i feel like the guy who wrote it knows absolutely nothing about video games that's probably about it um yeah the whole joystick thing it's just i don't know if you're a computer gamer i just don't think you use joysticks all that often i mean maybe i know like you do game pads and stuff like that for fighting games not that i use them because i know that gabe and, and logan use them and whatnot but um but it's just uh, certain things yeah, it's like just weird. people don't talk like this. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Uh, yeah. This was a yeah, suggestion. It was really good. It was really funny. This is a suggestion from Keith, by the way. He said he should watch this. Yeah, so. it was very funny. Uh, that makes sense. This seems like something up Keith's alley. Yep. 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 All right. So you ready for your uh, questions? Yes. Go for it. All right. So first question, what is the name of the game store Josh goes to on a regular basis? Do you remember the name of that game store? It is World 8 Video Game Store. I didn't think you're going to get that. I did not think yeah. you're going to get that because it's just for a second. Just yeah. Garbage. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I'm prepped, Damn man. Damn it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> First one. I was really, I was like, I got him. This is, this is good. This is a good question. I know how you think, <sighs> man. Piece of crap. Sorry. Uh, all right. Next. What are Josh's skills that he says that he has? Hmm. That sounds familiar. Skills. When would this? When was this? Because they're like, hmm. you should have special skills because you're you've done so well in these video games. You're the future man. You should have special skills. Right. Hmm. Can't remember. I have like these little notes I took, and I'm trying to remember if I <laughs> wrote that down. And I don't think I did. I don't see anything. Hmm. Nothing in my notes, because these are open note quizzes. Uh, nope. Doesn't seem like I got... All I know is that he's, uh, he's really good uh, with Siegfried. Uh, you know, uh, his, uh, his member... Yeah, yeah, there was that. That was the third one. Uh, There's but, two things I wasn't. I want to mention. The third thing is uh, his finishing move on uh, Wolf. That's the third thing. Right. But, <laughs> but um, the two that he mentions that he's really good at 
is Word Jumble and Sudoku. Oh, World Jumper and Sudoku. Yeah, I totally remember now. And then God Wolf says yeah. also on my leg. Yeah, on my leg. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I should get one out of three because I did mention six. Uh, okay, I'll give you a third out of that. I'll give you a third. I think out that's, of that. fair. That's, I think fine. that's fair. Okay. okay. All right. So what does double D stand for? Oh, gosh. I think I actually remember this. It was um, the biker gang. Uh, double, double damned? That is correct, sir. Yeah. Yes, correct. Right. I also right. thought I was hilarious when they come back and he's like trying to do the handshake. Comes back, all of his fingers are broken inside. <laughs> I love Wolf. Wolf is the best character. He's great. I, I also like, show. I really like the oh. scene where she's like, What is that little fat human? I want to touch oh, yeah. it. Yeah. It's like, it's just, I want to touch your little human. <laughs> A little baby. Yeah, that was really funny. Like, that was outside of the, uh, the gas station. So funny. I like how they try to do Operation Blackface. I, I, oh my God, I found some mud. This will work so really, really bad. good. It's dark enough. So uncomfortable. Oh man! Finally, <laughs> he, walks, he walks into the walks into the place. And he says, "You and your mutant race deserve to die <laughs> inside of a black fraternity." Oh, it's so awful. Oh man. Anyway, go ahead. Last question, and this is probably the most important question. Why, Why am I paying for care? Hulu? Because after watching two shows on Hulu, I think I watched about 30 minutes of, of ads. I'm getting real tired of this. I pay 10 bucks right. a month. Why are we paying for Hulu if we still get ads? So answer this question for me, please. Well, is it because you're dumb and don't realize that there is a no uh, commercial option? Yeah, we got to pay more for that. I know. But I mean, it's there. Up three bucks well what am i made i'm gonna of money? say you're paying for it because you're dedicated to this podcast and it's helpful when we have access to to hulu because it's one of the three biggest streaming you, you get the question right but this I, yeah. I was i was getting so annoyed for a 30 mm-hmm. minute show there was five commercial breaks for me five sure. yeah yeah it's pretty bad man uh the smell of brisket usually fills the night air but tonight it's the smell of tragedy <laughs> that was the line that was like my favorite line of the show uh it was so at the end of the at the end of the first show santiago and skarsgård are these little beat cops i love how it's like santiago ready for this we've been waiting for this the whole time we're santiago and skarsgård uh, and so they've waited they wanted this their whole life their whole lives and then like they're responding to what's been going on with like the you know the the time travelers like kind of messing things up and then they get, their car gets blown up, which is tragic, right? Because Santiago gets killed in it. And I don't know how Skarsgård did it, but apparently, because like the looks of that explosion was pretty bad. But then the start of the next episode, uh, they had like the reporter who was reporting on the scene was like, the smell of brisket usually fills the night air, but tonight it's the smell of tragedy. Man, I have all sorts of crazy notes. Like you asked, like I also questions. love the part where, where Skarsgård goes to talk to Santiago's family or his wife. And literally everyone from his family is there, including his so twin brother. Yeah. It just keeps so on escalating. News. Now, wait, wait. I didn't say it was exciting news. Ah, oh, so good. And she's pregnant too. And oh my God. I, I thought so there's, there's a lot of points in the show where some of it fell a little flat. But and it was almost sure. too toilety and too, too, too bad sometimes. But then there's moments like that where I'm like, this is, this is good. This is good timing. This is good. This is funny. It's fine. How they just how they just kept so more and more many people out. references too. So many references. Like there is like a Pulp Fiction reference, Children of Men reference. It was amazing. Like there was so like, like there, so was many t- there was times where it fell a little flat, but I think it was more funny than kind of like meh. 
But I, I, there's a lot of moments which I thought the fighting was great. Some mm. of the fights that they would have, uh, like when she did the ho- the hose thing, I thought was fantastic, where she beat the guy up with the hose. Like there's right. a lot of really good choreography right. in this, and it's also really really funny at times. But also, but sometimes it's kind of like, oh man, I could have done better with that. That's all it is. I, I, have was, a really, quiz I was really expecting you. bad. That's I was expecting real bad. I have a quiz question. How many missions has Wolf gone on, and how many confirmed kills? It was kills like a hundred and seventy-six and two hundred and thirty-five yeah. confirmed kills, or something like that. Hundred and thirty-nine missions, two hundred seventeen confirmed kills. That was close. That was to, like, uh, what do they call? Really? What do they call rat holes? Or damn it, their mouths. They call mouths. Their mouths are rat holes. They're like, yeah. What else they're... would you? Why would you push a rat hole against mine? Yeah. What else yeah. are you supposed to call? Where we put our rats? Also, uh, what Dead does what does Wolf love a lot? What does Wolf love a lot? Uh, in reference to what? Like he, he has it, and he thinks it's the greatest things ever made. Does he think does he has? It's the best little, thing ever made. Little green logs. Oh yeah, right. The pickles, pickles. That's right. Those pickles. pickles. Yeah, Alex, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I swears through eating all those pickles too. It's so mm. great. Yeah. I, Wolf was great. He's my favorite part of that. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. it. I want. I actually will keep Man. watching this. I thought it was good. Almost as good as Siren. Um, I'm probably, pretty close. They're neck and neck. I gotta say. I'm probably gonna keep watching Siren. Future Man, iffy on. I'm iffy. You know. We'll see. It was pretty funny though. So okay. Uh, you ready for new challenges? You good? I'm you ready. ready. I got one for you. Okay. Let's hear it. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to give you the Takaya TT film that stars. Uh, both uh, it, the kid from Deadpool 2 and uh, Grant from Jurassic Park, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. And that's a Takai Watiti film. Uh, okay. That's very kind of, and that's, that's why Grant plays the, uh, I don't know what his name is. He plays Grant in Jurassic Park. Uh, he, that's why he's in the uh, theater production in Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, because him and Takai Watiti have a pretty close relationship since Hunt for the Wilder People. So. Hunt of the Wilder People, it's on Hulu, so you can okay. go ahead and watch it on there. So, Hunt of the Wilder okay. People. Um, I would like you uh, to watch the recently canceled uh, TV show by the name of Beyond. Uh, another freeform show. You can find this on Hulu. Stop this, please. <laughs> Sucker. Freeform so bad. I have a list of freeform shows. You basically, read. all you got to do is just assign me a show from there, and it's going to hurt my what? feelings. Any show. What? So Cloak Stickers. and Dagger was okay. Dude, I'm not giving you like what the heck was it called? Shadow Hunters or something? That's that's awful. But uh I watched the first like 20 minutes of that and I almost threw up. Um <laughs> no, really, I did. I got I felt nauseous from it. Uh Stitchers was okay at times, um, but not great. But uh beyond, uh have fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was if it was on freeformed and canceled, it must be great. Right. That's true. I mean, the, the main character's name is Holden, so that should tell you all you need to know. Nice. Should, that, should, that should be it right there. Okay. All right. Uh, on that note, let's get the, let's close the sucker down. Uh, you can find us on the interwebs uh, at lollygaggerco.com, two L's, two G's. Uh, you can also catch me usually up on Twitter at lollygaggerco, L-O-L-L-Y-G-A-G-G-E-R-C-O. Uh, Justin, what is your Twitch channel? I'm on twitch.tv slash jehufa. Be sending me this weekend, hit me this weekend up for some sweet battle for azeroth old deer raiden that's what's going on oh this saturday and sunday i'm excited about it Ooh, yay. i'm all amped up ready to go i'm at the uh-huh. high item level i'm good uh-huh. are you done yeah i'm good can we, can we end the show now i guess so okay all right let's do thank yous ready 
Oh yeah. All right. I may have already done this one, but I'm gonna do it again if, if that's the case. I want to thank. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about people who speak in acronyms, uh, who think that the rest of the world understands what those acronyms mean, much like my wife does. I get like when my wife starts talking to me about work, it's like every three words is an acronym. I'm like I don't know what these mean. Uh, so anyway, to people who speak in acronyms, thank you for signaling to me that I don't really need to pay attention to this conversation at all. So uh, appreciate the forewarning. Thank you. I want to thank Volusia County Schools for being under substituted because uh, my co-teacher was out on Thursday. And if I don't get a substitute, I then get a day and a half worth of uh, work. So thank you so much for that extra money. Thank you. And I want to thank TV writers or movie writers who do not use the phrase, it's not a gift, it's a curse, cliche, uh, that we so often hear like we do in the innocence, unfortunately. Um, and I always wonder whenever I hear it, isn't it possible that something can be both a gift and a curse and that those things aren't mutually exclusive? So thank you to writers who don't fall prey to that cliche. Finally, I'd like to thank Publix for their parfaits. Uh, my wife gives me one like one every day in my uh, lunchbox for school. They're delicious and your yogurt's great and your, your, your fruit's great. And so Publix, you're just doing, you're doing the champions, the, the people's champions work out there. That's all I gotta say. So. Thank you, Publix, once again. Okay, quick, quick, quick bonus one, because uh, that reminds me. I want to say thank you to Wendy's because you're doing your 50 Cent Frosties limited time right now. Woo! That's awesome. Thank you. You're so good. Yours is so great. So great. Bye.